Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a editor and reporter for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Josh Woods, former UCLA linebacker, uh, doing his thing over in Canada. Josh, what's going on, man? You know, enjoying it, getting acclimated. I finally um, mm-hmm. got to see kind of some of the football here in in Vancouver. I saw you know, that. Participating in some, some community events, seeing some um, of how it is in the what we would call in the States, I feel like the pot one or, you know, little league mm-hmm. football, mm-hmm. Um, the development, which is pretty cool. Cause uh, they incorporate like programs have a flag side and a, and a padded side. Um, and you get a good group of kids going out and it seems like they have a lot of parents involved um, and just kind of getting the kids excited to be playing you know, learning and developing them into not only good players, but good people too. So it's been cool to, to see how football is growing in other ways. Yeah. And no doubt about it. And I think for me, like, as you're saying that, like the first thing that comes to mind is like, that's kind of what's needed in order for this sport to continue to uh, strive and thrive because you know, there's a lot of stuff with the with the head injuries and different things and and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like it, a lot of it's going to start at that at this younger age where, you know, you're making sure you're giving them the fundamentals. You're making sure they do everything um, right and as safely as possible. So, you know, just just so down the road, things are, you know, it, it still remains safe and it can still remain the game that everyone wants it to be. Well, I mean, not exactly because obviously it's not as violent as it used to be. And some people want violent, but yeah, just the, the more that we're seeing a lot of kids, because here in the States, um, a lot of like high school roster, like there's, there's a whole, there's not a whole lot of JV teams anymore for mm-hmm. like a lot of high schools. Like a lot of them are just like freshmen varsity and, and like, that's it. So um the more we can continue to have that youth football going. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that like, I feel like coming up, it was at least for me, it was like, we had a full freshman team a yep. full JV team and then like full varsity, but like watching my brothers now it's, you have like frosh. Yeah. And then varsity. And that's, that's, yeah, it's pretty much it. There's, yeah, there's no in between. So mm-hmm. it's hard for kids to, I, yeah, get developed because it's either like you're playing at varsity or you're not playing at all, you know. Earlier this season, um, and don't worry, we'll talk about UCLA here in a minute, but earlier this season, I went to a high school game where it was a a sophomore quarterback going against a freshman quarterback. Like, that. that's where the school is at. Like, it, it was just like two young guys. I mean, both of them are solid, but it's like you're getting thrown into the, with the wolves, like, from the jump. Like, there's no, especially if you're starting as, like, a freshman, like, I mean, like, how do you how do you evaluate and pull someone up as a freshman, right? Like, and say, yeah, he's our starting quarterback. Like, I mean, no matter how big of a stud you are, like, there there's still that maturity process that they still have to go through. Um, so there's some growing pains, but um, you know, we're we're seeing 
not as much of that just to transition to UCLA uh, football. But, you know, when you get 88 guys playing last week, you get to develop that roster. And I mean, that's the way you kind of should be able to do it. Um, uh, just off the jump, while we're talking about the underclassmen, I want to just kind of shout out uh, Jalen Woods real quick. Someone I interviewed on signing day at St. John Bosco. Um, I guess not that long ago. I guess, was that earlier this year? Maybe. Mm, yeah. Signing day was like, early, it's earlier in the year, right? So yeah, he's already now, he's already in season with them. So he was at Bosco. I was interviewed him at signing day. You know, I'm thinking true freshman, maybe he doesn't play right away. He played. Um, he played. He had like six tackles. Um, then the reason why I bring him up is because he was one of two guys, one of two defensive players nominated for uh Pac 12 um weekly awards. He didn't win, but he was nominated. Um, uh, I just want to pull up his stats real quick just while we're on the topic of him. Um, Grayson Murphy was the other one, so um, Jalen Woods, no relation to Josh Woods here, no um, relation as, as far as I know, um, yeah, as far, yeah, as far, <laughs> as, far as, as I know. Um, but yeah, so he had uh, he had five tackles he tied for um he tied for second on the team with five tackles and um yeah so so he was nominated uh, yeah five tackles including one for a loss coming off the bench in his college debut um against Alabama State so shout out to Jalen Woods yeah. getting in and if he, getting if he keeps balling he might be my cousin yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah then you'll <laughs> claim him huh and then uh yeah. as I mentioned defensive lineman Grayson Murphy, one of the twins, uh, he had a team high six tackles, including five of those tackles being solo. And uh, the, the North Texas transfer also had a one of three sacks for the Bruins. The other two went to um, Liatu Latu, um, who is another transfer. He's a transfer from Washington. And I wrote about Latu earlier this week as well for uh, the dailynews.com and the ocregister.com. Uh, a little bit about his story, a guy who was, uh, had to medically retire, um, at Washington. He had some sort of neck injury, took a hit in practice, um, you know, but got a chance to continue his career transferred in from Washington and is already an impact guy for that defense, um, at UCLA. So go ahead, make sure you read that story. I'll link it in the, in the, um, description for this podcast. Uh, Latu has a pretty good story and good to see him kind of overcome that situation. And that might be a topic I might want to talk to you about sometime down the road medically retiring with some guys and stuff um mm -hmm. anyways uh so south Al uh, south alabama is coming to town and um we we were kind of talking a little bit before we started recording about where where ucla is going to be coming into this game and is this a game they should be taking lightly just at face value uh the fact that i'm not a big gambler or better but there's this whole thing about, oh, South Alabama is a um, – or UCLA is like a 14-point favorite going into this game against South Alabama. Um, UCLA was like a 45 or more point favorite against Alabama State and against Bowling Green. So I don't know what Vegas or whoever else, what they know about South Alabama, but um, this is not supposed to come across as a game that maybe UCLA should be taking lightly. Not saying that they are. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna take it serious, as Chip Kelly said last week. Respect all fear, none. But yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of just curious to know. Uh, I think you were looking at some of the the scores there for South Alabama. Just looking at that, is there is there anything that you know 
stands out yeah, to you. I'll, I mean, I'll read some more about South Alabama in a minute, but go ahead. Finishing last year, um, mm-hmm. they lost in overtime to Coastal Carolina, which is a team that was, yeah, you know, pretty pretty popular the past few years. Mm-hmm. Had a buzz, um, kind of rising above. Mm-hmm. And they are currently two and zero with two pretty dominating wins and yep. one over Central Michigan, which is usually a very competitive team um, that gives could usually I feel like it's one of those schools that might upset get upset every now and mm-hmm. then. Um, pretty dominant win, and just looking at their quarterback stats, of both games he threw two, three touchdowns in both the previous one. Um, Threw for three thirty nine and three touchdowns, and also having a running back almost rushing for hundred yards and two touchdowns. So, um, I think this would be a a nice little test going into Pac twelve play. Mm-hmm. See what the defense can do coming off of it. I mean, two two dominant second halves um, and back to back games. So we'll see if the defense is real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we already know. Chip Kelly's always had a high high powered offense. We've, I think UCLA, averaged the most points per game last year, and we showed it again this mm-hmm. year. No matter who's in, um, the goal is still pouring it on, scoring as much as possible and, and fast as possible, and in many ways as possible. So the offense isn't really my worry. I mm-hmm. think my worry is, <laughs> let's see how real this defense is. That's maybe right. going against. Um, some more talent this week, especially, like I said, not looking too far ahead, but with Pac-12 games literally around the corner, um, this will be a good test for the defense to see what's, you know, what, what do they say, the mentality, the dog mentality. Mm-hmm. The dog mentality, out, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The dog mentality is going to be tested every week. And That's so right. I think this is a good test for them to establish who they are and their identity. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and- some of what you said, but just adding on to that a little bit. So South Alabama plays in the Sunbelt Conference. Obviously, the Sunbelt had quite a week for themselves last week uh, with just some of the teams that were able to pull off some upsets against some AP top 25 teams last week. Um, so the Sunbelt is kind of like this this kind of fun, buzzy conversation, trendy topic right now. Um, if you're UCLA, you do not want to be, um, you know, on the wrong end of, of the of the South or the Sun Belt talk that's been going on lately. But yeah, South Alabama uh, led 38 to 10 over Central Michigan, racking up more than 500 yards of total offense before giving up two late fourth quarter touchdowns. Um, quarterback uh, Carter Bradley, as you mentioned, was 26 for 41 in the air with 354 yards and three touchdowns, uh, which is tied for fourth most passing in a single game in program history. Um, so, and UCLA is the lone power five opponent for South Alabama. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think for me, what, what I'm going to be looking for and what, what I'm going to keep an eye on is, is much like you said, the defense one, I want to see what this secondary is more specifically, because, um, I don't think there was necessarily any, uh, explosive plays off the top of my head. I mean, again, they played 88 guys last week. And I think, oh, so actually that might be part of it. So they played 88 guys last week. You didn't, for UCLA, um, you didn't have Charbonnet play. You saw limited action for DTR. So what is this team going to look like? Kind of almost, at least for some of the guys, it, it was a bye week. I'm not I'm not trying to disrespect Alabama State, but what I'm saying is like, these guys, like, you know, this is your final test 
before you get into conference play and you need to get like, you need to like be hitting on all cylinders. We need to know what this team's like. You shouldn't be necessarily pulling DTR and Charbonnet out in the, in the first quarter or anything. Um, if, if they pull to, if they pull a pull away early, let's, let's get them out um, and not have them in there for the second half. But um, I want to see something, at least in this first half from, uh, from, from a lot of the starters, again, mainly on defense. I want to see, um, how this defense continues to develop um, under uh, Bill McGovern, who's their new defensive coordinator this year. So um, I guess that, I mean, that's just kind of it for me. Those are the things I want to see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like the, again, it just kind of comes down to the secondary for me a little bit. Um, when I was out at practice on Wednesday, on Tuesday, the DBs were working on tackling drills. Like, like hitting the sled dummy and like driving them down. Like they're following through trying to hit tackles. Um, That seemed to be like a a point of emphasis. I believe that was one of the takeaways that you mentioned, Josh, after the bowling green game, where it was like, um, which you would expect maybe a little early on is like, let's, let's wrap up tackles. Let's finish tackles. That's not arm tackle. Right. So um, that Mm -hmm. was something that, that stood out to me was that they're really kind of hitting the dummies hard and, and trying to make it a point. And like, they, there was one guy, he was, I guess on the scout team, but they were making it a point of like making sure he, and, and it was nice to see some of like the starters kind of working with him as well. I don't, I don't know who the scout team guy was because he had a scout team Jersey on. So I couldn't see what his UCLA number was. Um, but they were like working with them and like make, like they made the dude do the drill over and over. Like we want you to get low and bring the dummy down. Like, it, like they wanted, like, they're like, no, we need to tackle. So so there's an emphasis on that this week. And um, I think that's something we should keep an eye out for and making sure that uh, they don't let guys get away from them. Yeah. I mean, of course, yeah, they definitely need to work on that mm-hmm. and emphasize on that. And that's a big part of having a good defense is being able to make tackles and not miss them. Um, but like you were saying earlier, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I want to see what this this roster is going to look like. Um I feel still. Yeah, I, who, yeah. I feel like every every week it, it's uh uh these people are this is the depth chart and then so and so doesn't play mm-hmm. so and so is not dressed so and so is dressed but he's not playing yeah yeah but, so all these all these mysteries every week and then it's like oh no they're practicing this week so and then mm-hmm. the game comes and it's like what's up so I think that's what everybody wants to know is like what, <laughs> yeah, kind of, what, what's going on and who's gonna mm-hmm. play. At the end of the day, we want to win, and we right. don't want anybody getting hurt or even put them in a situation where they're at risk. But at the same time, fans still want to see the best product. Right. No, I. so I think that's a good point, though, because it's – you want – and I, I think that's kind of what I was, like, saying earlier, too, and I think you agreed with me. It's like we don't know what this team is yet. One, because you kind of mentioned there, like, you didn't have Charbonnet play last week. You you had DTR out early. You you played 88 guys. In the Bowling Green game, you get so far ahead. Early. Like, we haven't seen a complete game from, from beginning to end with, like, a starting first team unit, right? Like, we haven't seen DTR play a full four quarters. We haven't seen Charbonnet. We haven't seen Blaylock have to play a full four quarters. Like, and again, all three of those guys that I mentioned, we know what we're getting from those guys. Um mm-hmm. But then you have a guy like Kay Madrano, who I don't know if he's going to play this week. He didn't play last week, but it was a starting linebacker in week one. Um, 
not necessarily sure if there's an injury there or not. The last time I actually paid attention and saw him at a practice was last week and he was in pads, but he just wasn't practicing. So there's something, some injury there, I would imagine. But um, like, he's a guy that you need to see play four quarters of football as a starter. Like I need yeah. to see that. Um, um, who else? Um, you know, I want, I want to see what the Murphy twins do in four quarters. I want to see what, a lot of these guys, I want to see what Darius does in four corners in four quarters like that. Like we need that. And and that's not what we've seen uh, from this UCL. And again, there, I mean, there hasn't really been a reason to, but uh, when you get to conference play, like you're trimming the fat of what you're putting out on the field. And that's why I, I like when teams, especially power five and down teams, I like when you schedule mm-hmm. one like pretty good tests of a non-conference game Mm -hmm. and i feel like in the past that's how it's been i think this is i think this is one of the weaker schedules ucla's Mm -hmm. ever had and having three home non-conference games i've never experienced that or i've never seen that from ucla i feel like there's always one out-of-state trip Mm -hmm. planned in there somewhere um I don't know if Michigan was supposed to be away. Michigan was supposed to be away this year. And then I guess a follow-up like two years later, Michigan was supposed to come here. Um, See, Michigan on our schedule and having that, that made, that would make so much, you know, so much sense of the way it, way it was scheduled, mm-hmm. you know, having the other two home games. Yep. Uh, you know, non-power five and then having mm-hmm. a Michigan in the middle of them. Yes. That way you that would, if, be a, that would be a good mm-hmm. preparation for for Pac-12 play. Yeah, no doubt about it. Cause you're coming up, you come off the Michigan game, you know, maybe you have some guys that get banged up, um, you know, or you just need that extra week to kind of to to get things together, or, or you just need to build your confidence again. Or I'm not saying they're gonna lose, but you know, give it a chance to build confidence or work through some things and and you can have that um non-power five game or group of five team where you can kind of use that as a final tune-up. Um, and maybe implement some of the things that you learned from a game like a Michigan. And, but that's what they were last. That's what they got last year. When you play against LSU, uh, you open against Hawaii, right? You look like world beaters. Then you go in against, um, and all three games last, last year were home games as well. Um, you play LSU at home. Um, you get an upset of some sort there. You yeah. learn, but, but you build that confidence. Right? Yeah. And, and then even Fresno state, uh, not a technically not technically a power five team, but a well-respected team and a team that not only provided a challenge but handed UCLA a loss in and a I, close. And I competitive hope they do game. that. I hope they do that to USC to, this weekend. To USC, yeah, they're going to be in the Coliseum on Saturday, and so we'll we'll see. That's a game I'm gonna I'm excited to see um, because that it could very easy, you know, I mean, this is, that's what UCLA was, right. There was some hype. You're coming off the UCLA game, off the LSU game, feeling good about yourself. Um, you see USC is coming off of the Stanford game, non or a conference play, feeling good about themselves. And Jake Hayner may have other plans for that day. And, and he may be looking to show out right for, for Fresno yeah. state. So we'll have to watch that game closely too, but yeah, I'm excited to see what this team's like. Um, what Josh, um, just going off of your personal experiences as personal experience as a, someone who's played for UCLA, uh, what is your mindset or what are you looking to get out of the third non-conference game, knowing that Pac-12 plays right around the corner? Is the last game to really get the Kings out before, um, you know, the real, I want to say the real test, but 
you know, when Pac-12 play, it, it's a little different than non-conference games. Mm-hmm. These, these are opponents that um, these games matter more as far as factoring into trying to play in the Pac-12 championship. Mm-hmm. And these are people that you play every year. So you're kind of accustomed to the style of play each school usually brings, what styles they have. I mean, there right. are um, a few new coaches in, I mean, in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. of course. So, I mean, yeah. that's the difference. But once you start getting into Pac-12 play, um, you're starting to watch film on everybody. It's kind of repetitive as far yeah. as be like, okay, we're playing Colorado. So you're going to be watching, all right, how did Arizona play them? How did Arizona State play them? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So the, so the film – um everybody plays you know for the majority part plays each other so you have good better film to base off of rather than like you know you're playing right. bowling green you're playing south alabama and then like they're playing against these other schools right. where it's you're looking at south alabama versus central michigan and you're trying to make something of that right yeah like your scheme might be you know totally totally different but mm-hmm. it's like okay our scheme and oregon scheme versus usc right. you know or some or like how did SC play Stanford in this? Oh, okay, we have similar this and that. Okay, we can break this down. We have a defense that kind of plays out like this. Mm-hmm. This worked for them. We can do this. It, I mean, that's it's just a talent level like, too, right? But it's it's honestly, I thought like you get the Pac-12, and it's more. That's when you start getting the chess. I say preseason is checkers. You just you know mm-hmm. you're filling it out, right. seeing who's going to be ready for the season. That, but when you start getting the Pac-12 play, that's why I feel like there's always these upsets because anybody can win any day and it's really yeah. chess moves where it's just you're scheming and yeah no. everybody's talented it's power five it's mm-hmm. pack 12 so um, oh yeah i think that's that's the mentality going into pack 12 play it's like okay it's up now oh for sure like with pack 12 play and that's the thing like people always say they they kind of cannibalize each other right and it's like no one can ever get ahead in 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 the you know into the playoff because you know, Oregon will look, look like a world beater until they meet with Utah in the other season. And then Utah, you know, blows everything up and derails Oregon's season and and just things like that. So every you can't take anyone lightly, even if it is Colorado or USC. Right. Um, so I'm looking forward to that and seeing, um, you know, a little bit a little bit down the road of of what UCLA is going to look like in conference play. Um, but before we get to that, just a few more uh, notes for me that I kind of picked up along the way throughout practice. Um, we talked about Kane Madrano possibly not being available. He wasn't available last week against Alabama State. Neither was Michael Azike, um, the tight end. Um, Hudson Hammermill kind of took over that starting tight end spot with Azike out, um, and things kind of moved along smoothly. Again, we didn't get to see a whole lot of, of, of the guys um, play as together as a first team unit but uh michael zk it sounds like he might be back like i don't want to say for sure he's going to be back but he was at least he's at least participating and being involved in practices so it looks like they're going to kind of be ready to give him a go and and be at full strength there at tight end um and then uh shay brian uh struther i kind of got that name down i'm still working on it but he looks like he'll be the guy who's going to continue to replace madrano for the time being at linebacker um kind of got he got the start in place of madrano while he was out last week um so it looks like he'll be the starter again if madrano doesn't play the one thing i'm curious about is and i kind of wrote about it 
and all signs kind of point to Logan Loya maybe being the guy who's going to be that punt returner uh, in place of Bobo, just based on, and it was kind of weird. And I don't, I don't think Chip Kelly was taking shots at Bobo. So I'm not like trying to make it out like that. But when he was talking about Loya, he he said the, the thing both Chip and Logan Loya said was uh, one thing that both of them said was like, there's a confidence there, right? Um, Chip's confident in Loya as a punt returner and Logan Loya's um, confident in his ability to be back there. So just want to read through some of that and see um, and just maybe kind of get your thoughts here. Cause we talked about Bobo, right. Being like a taller guy and maybe mm-hmm. things weren't working out, but again, him just getting adjusted, just, you know, that was his first time in the Rose bowl playing and whatnot. But um, Logan Loya did miss the first week. Well, the game against Bowling Green. Um, it was funny. He kind of chuckled when he answered, but uh, they asked him like, what, um, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, what happened in the first week? Why didn't you play? And he said he was just unavailable, um, which was funny because that's what Chip Kelly always says for guys. But he just said he was out for precautionary reasons. So for whatever, whatever that's worth. Um, but he said he is back. He's good to go. And he said it was great to be uh, Logan Loya said it was great to be out there. Um, it's where I want to be making plays and making the most of my opportunities. Um, I was unavailable for precautionary reasons, but I'm back and I feel better than ever. Um, you know, so the job obviously became available uh, with uh, Kyle Phillips going on to the NFL, being drafted by the uh, Titans. Uh, not to sidetrack too much, but did you see? I don't even know what we talked about last week, but did you see Kyle Phillips? Uh, it looks like he's their their their. I don't know if it was kickoff or punt. I think it was kickoff. Elite, but he he's out there. He's doing his thing. He had a pretty solid punt return. I yeah, punt or return. I think it was kick return because it was like a couple. It was like a couple minutes into the first quarter. But regardless, they kicked the ball to him. He had the ball in his hands, and he had a nice return for himself there. Um, I'm expecting some nice things from him. I want. I keep wanting to look at the Titans' stat, the box score. I want to see if he's getting involved in re- in ha- getting reps with um, the offense. But I haven't even like. I keep forgetting to look. But I want to. I'm curious to know if he's getting involved because I think he has a chance um, to be on the offense. And I was. I was kind of looking to see where he is uh, fantasy wise, fantasy football wise, because I wanted to pick him up, but. He's still like, he's not worth picking up just yet, but I kind of almost want to pick him up early. Cause I think he, he can be a, a surprise guy down the road, but um, uh, yeah. So going back to Bobo, he was the primary punt returner in the Bowling Green game, but had mixed results. Um, got hit early uh, on a fair catch there. And I think on his first attempt and then and was slow to get up, came back in, uh, but then muffed a punt. Uh, which Bowling Green was able to recover. Uh, one thing Chip said about having Logan Loya back there is um, he said he's a sure, uh, this is what Chip Kelly said. He said he's a sure-handed kid. He was he just wasn't available in game one. He does a good job back there, and he's athletic enough to make people miss. It was good that we got an opportunity to get another guy back there and get some quality returns because you can't have enough people back there. So, it's interesting because Bobo is still kind of listed as the punt returner, but I'm kind of convinced that Logan Loya is going to be the guy returning punts going forward. Again, it's not a knock on Bobo necessarily, but I just think things didn't work out. And I always kind of, it was always kind of looking like Logan Loya was going to be the guy back there. So if there's one position that I think still kind of needs to get sorted out a little bit, not necessarily, I'm not sure if I want to call it a position battle still, but I think uh, just what they do there with Logan Loya and um, 
and Bobo there. I mean, again, you really can't go wrong as long as you have the ball in both those guys' hands. I think if Bobo is back yeah. there, though, you just want to – you want you, – you can't have mistakes. Again, especially as we get into Pac-12 play, can't be Paul giving return the ball return is, is definitely one of the, those spots where you just mm-hmm. need whoever's the most reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it, you might not put the most explosive guy back there because the key to punt return is securing the ball. Um so you don't want a guy back there who's trying to always trying to make the play, but has, you know, loose ball security. Um, so we'll see who. And I mean, especially when it when it comes to chip, it's all about reliability. So he's going to put the guy he's most confident in securing the ball first to get the ball to the offense right. and not which, like I said, could possibly not be the explosive guy that gives you um, the home run hit. One thing that chip said about, um logan lawyer he's again he said he did a great job and whatnot but he said chip think chip thinks that logan lawyer probably um i guess there was one punt where he was like trying to catch it at the five and i think chip chip told us he was like you just he wants logan lawyer or whoever's going to be doing punt returns you you stay at the 10 and you don't go back like like if the ball mm-hmm. if like if you're trying to go back past the 10 to try and make something happen like just let it go let yeah, it go you let the it end go. zone yeah. yeah. So I think I think yeah. Logan was probably Cause, cause, excited. I mean, you yeah, you like I said, reliable and like IQ. There's like yeah, there's things that you do and you don't do. And right. I was like, yeah, Chip's gonna put the guy back there is gonna make the smartest decisions. And mm-hmm. like I said, you don't that's one of those <laughs> spots where you're not you don't need to put a risk, you know. Yeah, that's why you're sometimes your kick return and punt return are different two different people because kick mm-hmm. return that guy has time and space to you know make things happen. Punt return, you just need to secure the ball and get get it to the – yeah. The decision, that's how you – that's one of the easiest ones to turn into points for the other team, a Mm -hmm. muff punt, you know. So put the guy back there that's the most reliable and that will get the job done. No, no doubt about it. And I, I just think it's interesting. I just think it's something that they're going to have. They're just kind of working through because Kyle did it for so long that it wasn't really something they had to worry about too much. Right. It was mm-hmm. just like, so now you have to find a guy. Um, Logan Loy was kind of the understudy uh, for Kyle Phillips for a long time, not just with punt return stuff, but with um, just receiving stuff in general. So um, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on that. I think that's something that I'm going to want to learn more about as we go forward with this UCLA team. Uh, another thing on defense, and I'm kind of um, curious on some of your thoughts and, and just maybe the the rule and um, maybe you had, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but uh, so, Chenny, uh, so Kenny Churchwell, safety for the Bruins, will miss the first half against South Alabama on Saturday uh, after he was called for targeting and was disqualified from the game against Alabama State last week. Chip said that they made the appeal on the call. They tried to appeal it, but uh, I knew they weren't going to get that one. Yeah, Chip said the ruling was upheld, um, and this is what uh, Chip had to say about uh, Churchwell. Churchwell has played a lot of game, had a lot of football for us. He does a really nice job. Uh, sometimes those sometimes those plays occur. We always coach tackling every day in training, and we don't coach tackling with the head. We coach tackling with shoulder leverage uh, we coach with shoulder leverage tackles and uh we've just got to weather the storm without kenny out for the with with kenny out for the first half so have you had any situations or has that put you guys in a hole at all where um you guys have to tailor you the way you guys maybe play on defense or something like that when you maybe have a guy who's going to be out for the first half of a game or or any 
situations on that or just just tackling in general is, is the mindset do you have that in the back of your mind while you're trying to play like oh let me not hit this guy like you're in wide open space but you're trying to make sure you don't um get calls for targeting more or less just i mean you know. I, i've been ejected in oh, the you game have? before yeah wait in at ucla yeah so i, I know oh. exactly and and okay. i think i i reached out to kenny after the game i told him okay. like i love the way you're playing flying around like don't mm -hmm. let this don't yeah. let this alter the way you're playing. Like, mm -hmm. just keep playing hard. I know, like, you didn't, you know, do anything malicious or anything like that. You're just mm -hmm. playing hard, flying around. I was like, his name keeps getting brought up because he's it making yeah. good hits and, and making plays. Um, So, but, he, I mean, he's good, you know, yeah. in high spirits, whatever. But, like, yeah, I um got ejected Hawaii game my third year. Uh, I was running as middle runner playing mm -hmm. in the Tampa 2. They threw the post. I somebody was low. I was kind of high. I hit the ball up, but I also hit him in the head, kind of folded him. Mm -hmm. So I got ejected in the second half. So going into Memphis the following week, I had to sit out the first half. So I warmed up with everybody like regular. I did my pregame warm up, warmed up with the team, went in the locker room and didn't get to come out the first half. Oh, this, you had to like sit in the locker room? I was in the ref's locker room watching the game on a TV, on a delayed TV. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm seeing how everything's going down. This is Memphis. This is this is this was the the five star versus the walk on hyped up okay. game. Okay, I remember you saying that. I'm, yeah, yeah. And we were sitting in the cold ref's locker room, just watching, literally, just with a chair, just just like sitting. Like you're in timeout. <laughs> <laughs> and they they had Roman Pfeiffer, the player development guy out there, was like babysitting me pretty much, like in there with me. We're just watching. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just had to sit there, watch. And at a certain point, I was kind of like, I was kind of, I was kind of like, like angry that I wasn't mm -hmm. out there. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I've seen enough. I'm going to go start warming up. Because I seen it was like second. I was like, I'm just going to go bike and like start doing my own type of warm up in, mm -hmm. the, in the locker room. Um, and then I came out in the second half, did my thing, but it was like, it's, I wouldn't say it's frustrating. I wouldn't say it, it felt like weird mm -hmm. um, in a sense of not being, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of like hopping into the game in the third quarter. Right. Right. It's kind of, it is, it's just seems, it seems like a weird situation. Cause it's like, again, so, <laughs> so I didn't know you had to sit in the refs locker room. Yeah. And, and at the time when I got ejected, this is when you had to, you got sent, you got sent out. Yeah, the camera's so, on so you. Happened, and then and I they, had to go in the locker room. I'm in there by empty locker room, shower by mm -hmm. myself, just dressed, just sitting there waiting for the team to come <laughs> to to come in the game after, which it was it was like we blew we were blowing out Hawaii. So it wasn't mm -hmm. even like like I was like worried about the score. Like I remember right, I got right, ejected right. and I remember I called my dad. Like I'm like <laughs> I'm talking I'm on the phone with my dad in the locker room, like I can't believe they really caught like I'm out yeah but it's crazy i didn't i think we wow. had it, it was like we had like maybe three or four consecutive games of targeting where like Damn. i i got called for targeting i think when i got in the game osa got called for targeting he had us out the the first half and, and then i think we played like stanford or something and then like Adarius Pickett got called for targeting and i think matter of fact i think the game after that Darnay Holmes got called for targeting. It was like, damn. It was, was like this game after game? Was after this game when the rule, when the rule probably like first was getting like 
implemented and the Pac-12 was being so adamant about leading mm. the charge on the on this targeting which even still i feel like the Pac-12 might be the number one conference for targeting calls i don't know if somebody has that stat somewhere mm-hmm. but they have to lead the lead the country in targeting calls i have to look into that that's pretty that's pretty interesting <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, I might have to look into that because that's kind of interesting. Um, we'll see how Kenny bounces back um, and we'll see how this team does this week against South Alabama. Um, it should be fun, Josh. But um, until then, we'll end it there. Um, but again, again, thank you guys so much for your support uh, throughout the last couple of weeks and just throughout the offseason as, as this podcast has grown quite a bit. Um, we do have a Twitter handle for the show now. It's at Believe UCLA. That's B-L-E-A-V. UCLA. Um, make sure you guys go ahead and follow that account um, along with my personal account at JHW Reporter. Josh, where can they find you on Twitter? At underscore Wizzy underscore J. Mm-hmm. And make sure you guys go ahead and again, if you like what you hear, um, make sure you tell your friends, your teammates, your loved ones, and and all UCLA fans. But yeah, make sure you guys hit subscribe, leave some feedback, leave a comment, and let us know um, what you want to hear on the next episode of the Believe in UCLA Football Podcast. So for Josh and myself, thank you guys so much for listening and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.